Polluted Minds Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the Polluted Minds Podcast. My guest today, who I'm visiting, is an actor, a writer, a producer, a voiceover artist, a lawyer, and his name is Michael Reese. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. Hi, Charlie. Oh, my dog is here too, if you hear anything in the background. Yeah. So, even though I described you already, um, how would you introduce yourself to somebody who doesn't know you? I'm uh, just a, a nice guy who likes making a living telling stories. That sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> and who loves my dog and who's getting married. So those, those that's 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 me. I was about to ask. You were you're getting married in July, right? Was uh, that July? October. 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 Yeah, okay. It's exciting. Shit. That's cool. It's coming up. It's coming up. We're getting all the family stuff taken together. It's pretty great. That's awesome. Thanks. Well, thank you for having me at your place. We are in his uh, right. No, this is your. So th this is my writer's room. So I've uh, I have an op my well I, my office is over there where I write, mm -hmm. and then this is my writer's room when I have a staff here, and then I can watch dailies over there, uh, uh, you know, in this little cool upstairs setup. That's awesome. So it sort of keeps work separated from life. Yeah, that makes sense. You're gonna hear my dog in the background. She's super good. excited you're here. So she is. To she's all on your the listeners, she's an adorable schnoodle, schnauzer, and poodle. She's ten years old and she's a rescue, and her name is Charlie. And she's she's fucking awesome. Thank you. How did you get started in the industry? So well, what came first? I mean, with all the things I just mentioned that you do, what came first? Sure. And, you know, I had kind of a roundabout history. I, I was born and raised here in L.A. I was raised to be a lawyer. I come from a family of lawyers. And so I went to college at Georgetown and studied government and law and English and then went straight into law school and went to UCLA. Go Bruins. Go Hoyas. Um, and, um, you know, I, and I, and I loved studying law school was amazing. I had made some amazing friends, uh, there who I'm still in touch with today. And, um, one thing kind of led to another where I was looking at going into the practice of law, which I did for a few years mm -hmm. in my third year of law school. And I was like, do I really want to do this? What right. else do I want to do? And in the back of my mind is that I should always, I always wanted to try acting. Mm -hmm. um, never really gave it a shot. Uh, long story short, my uh, class asked me to be graduation speaker at law school. And so, and I was very honored and I gave my speech. And right. as it always happens in LA, um, there was a commercial agent in the audience. Oh shit, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a woman named Leanna Levy. I've lost touch with you, but if you hear this, thank you for starting me out. Uh, and she came up to me and she said, have you ever thought of doing commercials? I said, you're at my law school graduation. What are you talking about? She's mm -hmm. like, well, if you can get yourself in the union, I'll represent you. Oh, wow. I had a break between graduating law school and starting mm -hmm. my law firm. And uh, I'll condense this. This could go on forever. But anyway, uh, I did some commercials and got myself in uh, to, uh, to SAG. Yeah. yeah. And so while I was practicing law, um, during some breaks in my litigation, I was a bankruptcy litigator. Mm -hmm. uh, I had some breaks in time. I would go on auditions and, and shoot a couple of things. And I'd go back and forth and back and forth. And one thing led to another where I ended up getting enough acting gigs mm -hmm. um, that I ended up leaving law to join the cast of Days of Our Lives for a while. Oh, wow. In a recurring thing. Oh, shit. And so I was. it was when Marlena was possessed by the devil. Shit, so, that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> uh, my parents freaked out, but it ended up working out. Within a year, I was lucky enough to... It was all about making a living. So mm -hmm. I ended up making a better living as a lawyer, uh, as an actor, than I did as a lawyer. Right. Uh, it was just a lot of hustle. Yeah. Um, I ended up being like on a Star Trek series for a bit. From that, I segued 
segued into voiceover, which became a huge part of my career for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I was on the lead, I was the lead of Digimon. Right. And did a lot of anime. I did Metropolis, <clears throat> Naruto, um, things like that, mm -hmm. which was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, and then uh, a few years later, um, just for fun, uh, I, I, I wrote a comedy horror movie uh, just to try it. Um, called Don't You Forget About Me. Mm -hmm. And it was about a serial killer stalking and killing the Brad Pack. Because uh, I love John Hughes and I love horror movies. And, was um, that one made? It was not made yet. Somebody is actually interested in it oh, now, that's awesome. believe it or not, all these years later. Um, but it got me noticed uh, at Sony and at Warner Brothers because mm -hmm. some friends passed it on. Um, and it just roundabout happened that I ended up getting into a program uh, called the Warner Brothers Drama Writers Workshop, which is yeah. for TV. And, um, and they, they really started my writing career. So ever since then, I've been writing and producing television as really my sole focus. Um, and awesome. so I've been doing everything from, you know, Boston Legal to Charmed, um, to, Charmed to I ran Shadowhunters for a few years mm -hmm. for Freeform. Um, Within that, I did a couple of movies. I wrote uh, Truth or Dare for Blumhouse. Yeah, we're um, going to talk about that for yeah. sure. Yeah, and so you know, it's just been... Fantastic. It's been a really wonderful ride. So that's sort of the Cliff's notes of me. That's awesome though, because Thanks. like I think um I mean, as you said, like parents always want the kids to do something safe or insecure or whatever. Yeah. Although it's obviously it's different for you growing up in LA than for me in Germany, because in Germany it's like all everybody has the their preset life, so to speak. Right. Where it's like, okay, you, you get a regular job, you work until you retire and all that shit. And I was like even as a kid, I was like Fuck that must that. have been a challenge. Yeah, it was. But also as a kid, I was like, no, fuck that. That's not for me. Right, right, <laughs> I right. didn't know how to get out of that, but I decided. Well, you, I, you figured it out. For sure. And um, But yeah, but then it was also, it was the same thing that like after a while, my parents are like, okay, he knows what the fuck like, he's doing, even though I, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow it worked out. Right. So they were like, all right, whatever, dude. <laughs> right, <laughs> Do your right, thing, right. You know, and, but I think that's cool that you, I mean, you did get your degree and all that, so... Yeah, no, I practiced. I was a bankruptcy litigator for about three years. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it's interesting because every job you do ultimately helps you in what you're going to do. For when, sure. I, when I run TV shows, I know how to look at a budget and how to amortize right. things and how so, to make sure things get done on time. So they don't go yeah. bankrupt. <laughs> right. And as an actor, I know like what I needed when I got a script. So I have complete sympathy and respect for the actors that are on set and help them to get to where they need to. And as yeah. a writer, when I have a staff, I like pulling out the best stories I can from my staff because everybody has their own unique experiences. Yeah. So that's kind of yeah. how I work. I think that's how, that's the best way to do something. I think also as a filmmaker, I think filmmakers, instead of going to film school, they should just go out there and do their own shit mm. and figure that's interesting. out. That's how I started, you yeah. know? And because of that, I know what I need when I'm shooting. I know because from the editing and all that, I yeah. know the entire post-production, I know visual effects and all that. So, yeah, that's right. And that goes back, it also helps me when I'm writing something. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. when you know these things, I'm like, oh, this this will probably like, be hard to <laughs> achieve. on this project, yeah. yeah. Um, you worked on Charm. That's I did. You were that was the re the reboot. The reboot, right? right. What, yeah. what did you do on that? You were a producer on that. Uh, too, I was right? a co-executive producer on it. Mm -hmm. um, my friends Jessica O'Toole and Amy Reardon uh, create created it with um, the team over at CBS. Okay. Uh, 
and then and, and then they're super super talented they, they also created it with jenny snyder ehrman who has done a million things and she's mm. incredible um and yeah they rebooted it for today you know a reimagining of is it. that still going it is still going i was on season one and then i jumped on to a different show because okay. i was only supposed to be there for one season mm. uh to help sort of get it going mm -hmm. and then i jumped on to a, a kind of a dirty comedy called you me her okay it was about thruples okay uh, and it was all about sort of the the politics of uh interpersonal relationships oh okay yeah That's so awesome. it was kind of fun that's cool. That was a guy by a guy named John Scott Shepard, who's super talented. Oh, nice. Yeah. I just worked with Alyssa Milano mm -hmm. two weeks ago or something like that. I've never actually gotten to work with her, but I hear she's fantastic. She's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, I was there to take photos of her for the poster of that movie. Randomly. Oh, cool. It just like randomly. Oh, neat. Yeah. Oh, good. So I got like a bunch of photos of bloody Alyssa Milano. Oh, I think it was a horror movie you did. It was a All horror right, cool. movie. Yeah. But it was cool. It was interesting. Good. Um, okay, so I'm going to backtrack because what I heard about Truth or Dare, <coughs> and you can probably confirm or uh -oh. it's not true. Yeah. So the whole thing got started. And for those listening who don't know, Truth or Dare was a very successful horror film in 2018. I yeah. Say. Yeah. yeah. Um, for Blumhouse, which they work with Universal or release everything through Universal. And I heard that the meeting was that somebody walked into Jason Blum's office and was like, a horror movie based on the game Truth or Dare. And so the, all they had was a title, which I think those stories are always so fascinating to me because that was the same thing that happened to Killer Clowns from Outer Space, where I'm like, of course you want to fucking see that, <laughs> you know? But um, that's what happened with Truth or Dare, apparently. Do you know anything about that or? Um, yeah, no, I know specifically what happened with. Mm. Um, and you know, the, the, the guys over at Blumhouse just do a great job uh, with the budgets they have. Um, I went in there for a general with Cooper Samuelson, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was pitching out ideas. And one of the ideas I pitched out was, I loved what they did with Ouija, and I said to him, "Yeah, I want to do, I want to do kind of what you did with Ouija, mm -hmm. but for truth or dare." Oh, so you pitched it? Yeah. Oh, oh, awesome. That was me. I pitched oh, okay. the idea. Uh, and his eyes lit up and he's like, well, what do you mean? And I sort of explained what I was talking about, mm -hmm. and I'd been working on this concept for about two years, mm -hmm. and I brought it to him. And it went pretty quickly. They uh, introduced me to a whole bunch of directors. Uh, uh, they brought in a guy named Jeff Wadlow, mm -hmm. um, who I met with a bunch of times. And I walked him through uh, what I had planned, and he discussed some ideas of what he wanted to do. Right. And then um, they ended up making it. So it was cool. It was a quick process over there. So I, I wrote the first draft, mm -hmm. and then uh, did some edits, and then uh, Wadlow took over and did his thing, mm -hmm. and uh, it became what it became. And then wasn't I think that was the first horror film where Blumhouse actually said Blumhouse's Truth or Dare. They did put their name on top of it because I think on Sci-Fi there was another Truth or Dare. Right, movie. there is a really crappy one. Now that you bring it up, well, I wouldn't say crappy. I mean, because <laughs> I know I know one of the writers. He's a really great writer named Ethan Lawrence. He well, wrote it. Let's say a lower budget version. Of it, it was a different take on it. I'll right. say it's a different take. Ethan's mm -hmm. a fantastic, a fantastic writer. So mm -hmm. let's just say it was a different movie. Mm -hmm. um, so to differentiate it, mm -hmm. uh, Blumhouse put their name on mm -hmm. it, and, okay. and it helped. It helped a lot because for sure. they are, you know, the 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 standard bearer for also horror. name. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What did that? So that was your first horror film? That was my first movie that got made, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was my first movie that got made. And I remember, I, I think there's things we can't talk about, <laughs> but it's like, because like how you and I met, we can't really talk about too much. Like we, well, I don't know. I have no fucking idea. 
I'm not sure. I mean, Me neither. I mean, this, it's this on movie, IMDb, so this movie's sort of still in development and yeah. stuff. So I guess we can't really talk about it. But yeah. we can say that we met through through a production through, company through that, a production company on a project. Yeah, it was almost like a play date. They were like, "Hey, Daniel, meet Michael. Michael, yeah, meet Daniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go play." Yeah, and I, I love what we created. Me and too. Ho hopefully, they will shoot it this year. Yes. So. That's my fingers crossed. I mean, I'm not sure what I'm allowed to talk about, but no, yeah, exactly. If you guys are listening, we're eager to make this movie. Yeah, we're <laughs> sitting here right now talking about making this film. <laughs> no, it could, it's good. It could be a really cool, scary franchise. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think you're going to do a great job with it. Thank you. Well, you did a great job. Please. Thank you. And it was so much fun too. I don't know. It was a. It was an interesting um, process working yeah. on the script because, like, I mean, that's not normal for movies you know what i mean the way right. we we worked because it was like hey how about we do this and how about we do that and then you went on and wrote and i like collaboration a lot i really it do. was fun particularly if a director is attached mm -hmm. you know it's 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 nice to sort of have a, a team of people that you can chat about things yeah. with and then ultimately i wrote it right um but to to know that you know, everybody's trying to align up for a certain vision. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the things I love about TV. Um, yeah. You know, where you actually have a staff of people and everybody contributes something amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you know, even when I'm running a room, even my writer's assistants and, mm -hmm. you know, the production coordinator, like, I, every voice is heard. Yeah. Uh, and everybody has a really great story to tell as long as it moves the story forward. So yeah. that's the kind of thing I love. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it was. It was more like TV in a way, the way yeah. it was approached. Yeah and already had a vision and then eventually you have to find a way to kind of merge that all then i had to write the damn thing <laughs> exactly yeah so that was cool um in a writer's room how does that work when i just want to know the insights if mm -hmm. you write it uh, you write a, an episode for a, mm -hmm. for a tv show or something like that how mm -hmm. like is that one person that kind of dictates like what this where the story goes or is that everybody throwing out ideas uh, it, it really depends i mean you have your showrunner who kind of Mm -hmm. is in charge of the whole thing but when you sell a show you sort of have already sold a roadmap of where it will go right. over the course of how many episodes mm -hmm. but then as you get into a writer's room that the joy of that is you kind of open it up initially and like mm -hmm. you blue sky it for a while and you say okay with this direction that we're going in what are stories that excite everybody right. for these different characters that everybody can pull from their own personal lives mm -hmm. and, and then the more people share the more flavor gets added to 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 the season then right. when you go episode by episode you know it's sort of like you have your spine of the episode and then the little vertebra or mm -hmm. each or, or season then the little vertebra or each episode yeah it's like okay what happens in this and then mm -hmm. you break it as a room and you say okay the, there's usually an a story a b story a c story mm -hmm. oftentimes in an episode right and you take your a story and you go okay what are the major beats that we want to see and the room will just contribute like we start here we in here and if i can tell that story from beginning to end just from the bullet points i'm like okay we've locked that down what's the b story mm -hmm. we've locked that down what's the c story we locked that down you know but everybody's contributing and then you have to blend it together to say okay over the course of how we're mm -hmm. if there's commercials versus not commercials right how does it blend together and then you get that beat sheet for want of a better phrase. And then yeah. whoever's assigned that episode will then take that board mm -hmm. and then go write a beat sheet out of it. Okay. And you'll get notes and notes and notes and notes and notes. Mm -hmm. You'll fix it. Then they'll write an outline. You'll get notes and notes and notes and notes and notes and you'll mm -hmm. fix it. And then you'll write a script and get notes and notes and notes. And then you have a script. Then it goes through the production process where you get notes and changes and notes and changes and notes and changes. Yeah. You know, so it's 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 crazy. Ever ever changing. It's like a 
train that keeps running. And mm-hmm. then you've got like four, an episode coming up right behind you constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it's fun to juggle everything, but yeah. Fun to juggle, but also a lot of pressure, I, I can yeah. imagine. Yeah, but lucky pressure, good pressure, yeah. fun pressure. For sure. I mean, yeah. yeah. Do you like uh, writing dialogue more or action? Because I know there are people that I love oh. writing dialogue. I love writing dialogue. Uh, I will sit and ponder dialogue for a long time. I'll, I'll walk in circles and my dog will follow me. Mm-hmm. And then when I figure out how to say it, I'll run back to my computer. And my dog will run after me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, though, like when I'm writing horror, the action of it is like, how do I scare people? Right. How do I get this moving? Mm-hmm. So I, I think I like both. That's a cop-out way mm-hmm. of, of answering. No, but I mean, but, well, if you do, you do. Right? Yeah. For me, usually a scene starts with dialogue. I don't mm. even know where the fuck they are, mm-hmm. but a lot of it starts with dialogue. Mm-hmm. Even movies start sometimes with the dialogue, too, <clears throat> and I'm like, okay, I don't know where they are, who they are, or whatever, but I know what they are talking about, basically. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. It's kind of kind of interesting. And what they need and what they want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember you told me you worked with Wes Craven I did. before he passed. Yeah. Tell me about that, because I mean... He's I, amazing. I was such a... Well, I am such a huge fan. Do you yeah. watch the new screen, by the way? I have not yet seen it. Holy shit. I hear it's really good. It's fucking good. Is it's, it really good? It's the best since the first screen. Since the first one? Yeah. For sure. I've heard fantastic things about it. It's really good. I uh, I don't... Uh, I'm a little pandemic mm-hmm. still kind of cautious. Right. So I watch movies at home. So like, when is it, it came be? out on streaming, I think, yesterday or something. Oh, really? Which, yeah. which, which one? I don't you know? know. I only saw that I somewhere. I can look it But up. yeah, it's definitely yeah. there. Look at, uh, look I'll, at I'll, it. I'll, I'll, I'll slowly get out of my yeah. house again. But, uh, yeah. you know, I'm sure we've all gone through some collective trauma that I'll For write sure. another horror movie about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Wes was amazing. He's a mentor to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I've loved all of his movies ever since the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Same. And yep. uh, my, we shared the same manager. Uh, mm-hmm. Sarah Botfeld over at Industry, she's wonderful, mm-hmm. and she introduced me to him. And he, at that time, wanted to do a TV adaptation of a movie I loved as a kid called People Under the Stairs, yep. and we worked for about a year on it, um, and we sold it to Sci-Fi, mm-hmm. um, and then he passed, um, and so it sort of went into turnaround. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe now, the rumor has it, I'm not sure that, and he'll do an amazing job if. If it actually happens, I, I hear. Well, actually, I'm not supposed to say anything. Mm-hmm. Someone, some big person is circling that uh, IP, okay, and will do an incredible job with it, right? If it gets made, right? I'll just leave it at that, so, yeah, because I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about that. Right. Anyway, um, we wrote a, a really beautiful script. And mm-hmm. What one of the things I learned from Wes was that in everything you write, and in every particularly horror movie you do, or anything horror, you can always without hitting people over the head, instill a societal message in it. Absolutely. You yeah. know, um, and share something important while scaring the hell out of people. Yep, yep. Uh, and that's what I try and do. Even in a project we, we, mm-hmm. we worked yeah. on, um, there's, there's important things that we can share with people, and we're incredibly lucky that we get the opportunity to tell those stories. I think that's, I mean, that's where horror essentially came from. Like Frankenstein was about the revolution of machines and mm-hmm. all that and so many examples but uh i think that's what makes a horror film good is <clears throat> if you I think about hereditary and i keep saying that even in the earliest meetings you and i had i think or i don't know if you were there but i did mention that most horror films i always ask myself what if you take out the horror is it still a good movie you know and like hereditary at its core is a f- family drama right you know so and of course it's a good fucking movie because yeah. the, like the supernatural shit doesn't even kick in until like very late in the movie that's right and um i think that's all Ari Aster's a genius 
Yeah, he's fucking I mean, great. Yeah, I'm excited for his new one with uh, Joaquin Phoenix in the lead. How much that? It's called Disappointment Boulevard, I want to uh, say. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I haven't heard of it. Yeah. Uh, I saw the one, um, the summer... Midsummer? The Midsummer, that's what it was. And that was, that was a fucking creepy LSD and trip, amazing. And the opening was great. Yeah. The suicide Oof. in the opening. Oof. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. Okay, so I want to go back to uh, Wes Craven. How did that happen? Yeah. Like, just because it's so funny, sometimes you do stuff in your life and you don't see the bigger picture in a way because you just focus on something else. Like me, for example, when I did my first shorts, it was drama movies. Mm. And when all my life, all I wa would watch were horror films. You know? Oh, really? Yeah, my first, the ho first horror film I've ever seen was Nightmare on Elm Street 1. My brother showed me only the gory scenes. Shout out Martin for that right. because you fucking <laughs> traumatized <laughs> me for life. Um, so Wes Craven was always like a big name for me. It yeah. was, I, I never met him, but I was like, when he died, I was like, fuck. That's like, a loss. That That's is a loss. huge loss for the horror community. And um, I mean, such a kind guy too. He's like soft spoken, and uh, he was, I believe, a philosophy or theology teacher as well. I think so. Yeah. Um, philosophy. But just he has such a wonderful family and. Um, yeah, he was really uh, a mentor and kind and thoughtful. Mm -hmm. And so you'd, you'd take this sweet, nice, brilliant man and juxtapose him against the horror that he's putting out there. And it's like, damn. That's, that's um, always how it is, I think. Like, I'm not running around beating people up or whatever, but I write pretty fucked up shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, but I think that's what art is for. Like also a friend of mine, he's a rapper. Mm -hmm. And when I first heard his music, I was like, I don't know if I want to hang out with you. Mm -hmm. But then I met him and he's the nicest guy mm -hmm, you can imagine, mm -hmm. you know? So I think, uh, yeah, I think that's with most horror directors, Ari Aster, it seems like that too. Yeah. He seems like a just I, chill dude. I don't know what it is. I mean, I feel like it's cathartic to write it, you mm -hmm. know? Like you can channel your anger in your writing. Yeah, or for like sure. you're just. Or if you're just sort of looking at a situation and you're looking at the unfairness of something mm -hmm. and then you have these irrational thoughts of like, God, I wish this could happen. Yeah. And well, obviously they can happen, but you could write a horror movie about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So did you ever, so was the project finished with him, even though, oh, did he pass in the middle of it? He passed in the middle of it. Oh, so shit. we were in the final stages of network notes mm -hmm. uh, and he passed. Shit. And so out of respect, it turned around. And right. So, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, then I wouldn't want to do it without him. No, so, yeah. you know, it's his. So, that was uh, my uh, worry about the scream now. I was like, that's the first scream after he died. Mm -hmm. and, but he would be proud, I think. Yeah, yeah, so, I think so. I mean, I, I can never speak for him, like, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's many, many people out there who knew him much, much better than I mm -hmm. did. Uh, I just was very, very fortunate to be able to work with him for that year that yeah. I did. So, yeah. So, what was your, what's your favorite horror film? What would you say? You oh, God. There's so many. There's so many. I I don't gravitate towards the sort of torture porn, gory, no, gory, gory stuff. I don't really like that stuff. Because for that reason, it's just there to shock people, but there is no Yeah, it makes me kind of actually get physically ill. Like, mm -hmm. I actually had to leave a theater when it was, I was like, what am I watching? Mm -hmm. So, with, you know, kudos to anybody who can master that. Right. And, and I don't want to denigrate anybody. Yeah. I just, I, I can't do that. Um, I love uh, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. Even though that was gory, West did. I mean, all of West's stuff is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I consider Jaws to be a horror movie. For sure. Um, and that's that's one of my touchstones. Mm -hmm. um, other horror movies that I've loved. I mean, I, I, mean, I loved Hereditary yeah. of, of more recent ones. Um, gosh. Is that a genre you gravitate towards more? Or is that... 
Like you mean horror? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I've always liked horror movies. Um, I mean, I also love Scream, the original Scream, um, for sure, because you can combine humor in it too. Yeah. Um, I kind of write all over the place. Yeah, you, you know, you write I, comedy too a lot, right? Uh, com well, comedy. Like I've never been in a comedy room, like mm -hmm. a sitcom or anything like that. I, hopefully, some of my stuff is funny. Yeah, uh, but I've never really intended to write comedy. I write like relationship shows. Mm -hmm. um, I worked with this amazing writer named Rena Mamoon on her show Privileged, which oh, was okay. uh, you know a coming of age show that yeah. was on the CW a, a while while back. Yeah. Um, I, as a lawyer, I loved writing legal shows, so I was on Boston Legal for years and years and years. That makes sense. Um, and I like writing fantasy, so like running Shadowhunters mm -hmm. was a, a blast, you know? So it's really about the stories that you get to tell, you know? And a lot of times with horror, I find that there's a sense of loss. Yeah. Uh, there's a sense of need mm -hmm. uh, that it's not just I have to get out of the building alive. Right. It's... I have to tell someone I love them and share share how mm -hmm. I'm really feeling before. Before yeah. you know what down. I mean. It's just yeah, the yeah, ultimate sure. There's actually um, a, a, a South Korean series now that I'm really digging on Netflix. That's it? you know it's a zombie show, but it's called All of Us Are Dead. And I heard of it. Yeah, it's incredibly moving mm -hmm. and incredibly scary. And I was like. They took a zombie show and made it original in its own way. And I can't even describe how they did it originally. It's right. just you cared so much about everybody. I think that's tricky, especially with zombies. Like that shit has been done so many yeah. times. And I mean, and, and obviously every time you do approach something like that, you have to come up with something sure, you know, sure. to make it interesting. I mean, I think the Walking Dead, I'm not a huge Walking Dead fan, but I remember the first season, I was like... Season one was amazing. They combined all the good things from all the horror films, oh, basically, yeah. from all the, the zombie movies in there. And then it went, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I was just not a big fan after that. You know, I th I'm I impressed how they're keeping the stories going. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's hard to top the scares, and so you have to start leaning into the soap of it and the character-driven nature of it, which is, yeah. you know, what they do. I mean, there was a... The ending of, I guess, one of the later seasons. I don't want spoiler alert, so mm -hmm. sorry. But they took it was uh, with with um, the whispers, you know, when the bald headed woman, the whispers, oh, yeah. um, took out a whole bunch of mm -hmm. series regulars, and you're like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. Just like, yeah. In those moments where you're like, oh, I've really grown to love these people, yeah. And then you're like, oh no, you know, yeah. I don't want to give any spoilers for whoever's <laughs> listening, for all. Thousands yeah. of people that are listening right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. So millions, man. The millions of people around Fucking the world. Millions of people. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's the joy of what we get to do. So, yeah. What would, what would be your dream project if you can, like, oh, from all man. the things you do? I don't know. I don't know. You don't have a dream project? I do have a dream project, actually. But it was a pilot I wrote a long, long time ago. Um, but. I want to keep. You know what? I want to keep. Right, it to, right. I no, want to keep, keep it to myself yourself, for, now. for sure. Yeah. yeah, but it's 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 um, the dream projects for me. What I try and I'll, I'll, I'll say this: what I want to do, at least TV wise, mm -hmm. with everything right, whether it's drama or romantic comedies or horror, um, everybody's going through a very, very, very hard time right now. Mm -hmm. No matter where you land on the political spectrum, no matter where right. you, like everybody's just struggling. Mm -hmm. You know. Like I, I'm lucky my folks are still with me, but they're in their 80s and 90s. And right. it's like, we're all trying to make the best life that we possibly can. And 
you know, it's very easy to just get jaded and depressed yeah. and lose sight of the fact that we're all crazy lucky to be here. We're all crazy lucky to be alive yep. and have our friends and our family and knock wood our health. And, yep. you know, and if, if through whatever I write, I can say, yeah, things may have sucked, but if you can find a way to push through it, yeah. there is a light at the end of the tunnel and For there's sure. something better on the other side. And I find reflecting people's authentic stories yeah. on TV where they see themselves mm -hmm. and they go, okay, you know, I can identify with that. Right. And that, that that's, that's my kind of dream project. Like, mm -hmm. even, even if it's a crappy TV show that no one's going to see, if I'm putting an episode out there, mm -hmm. for the four people that may be watching it, if I can move someone. If you move one person, yeah. I think that's with creating anything. It's always like, to me, that's the best compliment yeah. when people come up to me and they're like, hey, yeah. This motivated me to do this, or yeah. whatever, or. Uh, it, well, I'm sure with your films you've gotten that. I for, so it's funny because my very first short film came out in 2011, and it's on YouTube, and mm -hmm. it's about a manic depressive writer. Mm -hmm. And to this day, every week I get emails about that, and that people are like, "Oh shit, like, this great. really helped me." And also, like for people that <coughs> don't know the illness or whatever yeah. like for their relatives and all that they were like wow this helped my whatever wife understand me more or something like yeah. that so i'm like yeah. that's the best compliment you can get you know it's, it's important. the same with music or whatever so that's um, important you know it's it's really what we're here for otherwise mm -hmm. you know i'll run for office or something yeah exactly you know, <laughs> my next chapter <laughs> if you see me running for office i promise i'll be good vote for me yeah exactly <laughs> vote for michael you got my vote thank you thank um you. So voiceover came through acting for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was act, uh, on camera acting initially. Mm -hmm. um, and I have absolute respect just having been on the other side and yeah. like, in the casting and like, going through network desks and stuff. I have such respect for actors and what they put themselves through. Man, oh, man. me too. Me but yeah, too. Uh, uh, I was on camera acting and then... Who really started? I guess um, a gentleman named Bob Bergen, mm -hmm. who is an amazing voiceover talent. He's the voice of Porky Pig. He's like, oh, wow. yeah. So he and I have known each other for a long time. <clears throat> Pardon me. He um, uh, has a voiceover class, but we were uh, in high school tour guides together at Universal Studios. Oh, shit. So that was one of my high school jobs. I lived up the street. Uh -huh. And so I was a tour guide at yeah. Universal uh, when I wasn't in college. Uh -huh. and, you know, uh, so when I was home for summer and winter, I would do that. And so in the break room, you know, Bob would do his voices and he was already establishing himself. Mm -hmm. And he had met Mel Blanc. Cut to um, when I'm acting. Right. I'm looking into voiceover because I had started some loop groups and I learned into looping and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, I was doing that. Right. Um, and then Bob ran an animation workshop mm -hmm. and I just thought it would be fun. So yeah. a friend and I took his class and yeah. he said, hey, I think you can do this. Yeah. So then I took a class with a woman named Carol Day Kimball, who is a, a commercial casting director who runs a voiceover classes. Mm -hmm. um, and she's like, hey, I think you can do this. And so together, they, they encouraged me to make a, a tape. Like it was, yeah. it was an, a cassette tape at that time, mm -hmm. which is just ridiculous. This is a long time ago. And I, I made it. One side was animation. One side was commercial. Mm -hmm. And I made like 50 copies of it. And I literally just put it, put it in envelopes and drove it to every voiceover agency in town. Yeah. And they're like, we don't take unsolicited. I'm like, okay, well, it's referred by Carol Day Kimball, referred by Bob mm -hmm. Bergen. And I got their permission first. Yeah. And um, 
I got lucky, I guess. And most places wouldn't respond. A few places said, thanks, wait till you get some more credits. Mm -hmm. But then uh, ICM called me, uh, a gentleman named Jeff Danis, who's still actively working. And yeah. he really started, to his credit, he started my voiceover career. He called me in. He's like, hey, uh, we want to test you out on our mic. And I went in there and he tested me out mm -hmm. on copy and on, uh, on commercial copy and on animation yeah. in, the, in the old ICM booth. And then they signed me right there. And then I started doing commercials like a month later. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, I think my very first commercial was a voiceover for uh, the new Wheel of Fortune. Oh, wow. Yeah. I played someone's kid. Okay. Was, uh, like, and my friend, my, it was with my friend Jeannie Elias. And Jeannie and I recorded a commercial, a promo for Wheel of Fortune. Mm -hmm. That was my first voice. So you make voices? Like you just change your voice, basically? Well, yeah. I mean, the, when you're hired for commercials, generally they either want you to sound like this or there is a group of us mm -hmm. that could authentically do the sound like teenage boys. But then you wouldn't have to hire teenage boys. You could hire adults to do teenage right. boys, uh, to do the voices of teenage boys. And so uh, they I would get a lot of those, and you could mm -hmm. raise your voice. And then for animation, yeah, yeah. You, ch you change your voice. How would you change your voice? For I'm, I'm not going to do it. Here. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Here. Not, not if I don't get paid. No, no I'm not doing it. Here. <laughs> I, I was, you can go, uh, my, my biggest animation role was I, was, I was Matt on the whole Digimon series. Okay. So. You also did a bunch of video games, right? Voice mm -hmm. over? Yeah, yeah. I was um, Legolas in all the Lord of the Rings video games. Okay. Um, I can't remember all the ones I've done. It's a lot of yelling and screaming. I'm going to look up your IMDb oh, no. and see what else you have. Oh, no. Oh, but, no. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do the voices. <laughs> it's all, no, it's all good. Because I, I won't remember them and I'll sound really bad. No, it's all good. I'm just, I'm just missing And them. I'm also waking up, so my voice is deeper than it normally is. I, man, I'm, I'm always amazed when people do so many things because... Yeah, I don't know. It's just like, and being good at it. You know what I mean? Because it's oh, one thing to, to try out a bunch of shit and be like, oh, I suck at that. Let's try that. You know, like this city is littered with people like that. Where mm. It's just like, oh, I suck at this. <laughs> But I think people should always try. I mean, I, I got I really lucky and I had a lot of really good people helping me out. And it's a lot of hard work, you know. Mm -hmm. But I was done being a lawyer and then acting worked out. But I had a lot of help, you know. Yeah. Like I got the people looked out for me and, you know, and then... Um, Uh, voiceover people looked out for me. Yeah. And then uh, in writing, I got into the writer's program. Debbie Perlman and Abby Finer were in charge of it. Mm -hmm. Debbie Kaplan Perlman. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, and Abby Finer were in charge of the Warner Brothers Drama Writers Workshop mm -hmm. at the time. And they really started my career. And even though he doesn't represent me now, I got to say, Ari Greenberg over at now WME mm -hmm. was my first agent. Uh, a good guy, you know, um, yeah. and he, I'll, I'll always give him credit for starting my yeah. career. So, you know, actually when Truth or Dare came out, um, we weren't working together at the time, but we're still friendly. And, uh, and, you know, I called him, I said, listen, I promised when something big happened in my career, mm -hmm. I would make sure I thanked you. Right. Um, and he was like, oh my God. So, you know, and I, I thanked him and all the agents at WME mm -hmm. that had helped me. Um, yeah ultimately get to a place in my career where I can make that happen. Right. So that was cool. Writing is your main thing now, right? Yeah, writing and producing is my main thing now. Yeah. Um, you know, the industry is shifting. I'm doing lots of different things in writing and sort of we're exploring uh, lots of different avenues. So I'm taking out some pilots now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually writing a Christmas movie for Hallmark now because why not? It's fun. I told you, man. I, I think a while ago I told you. I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want to do a fucking Christmas movie. 
it's lovely and it's happy and it's like you know what i kill people on screen why can't i make people happy so i've been doing that i'm I'm throwing out a lot of things and so uh i may be starting up uh a two-hour movie uh like a a whodunit two-hour movie Mm -hmm. and then i'm I'm starting up a new horror movie so nice kind of casting it wide and you just sort of see where it all goes planting seeds and see what grows yeah um, a couple of people are paying me to write a couple of people a couple of people are having me write for free uh, right. on spec <laughs> yeah you know and you just as long as you keep enjoying it you do it you exactly know? the minute right. i stop liking something uh that's when i run for politics that's because yeah. honestly i feel like we're here to make a positive impact on the world and i'm not quite sure how i want to keep doing it mm-hmm. you know like right now, I feel like I've helped people and I want to make the world better. Bless the beasts and the children. Yeah, and I think, <laughs> but, but I think that can also change, you know, like in the beginning, it could be whatever. I want to do writing to make the world a better place. Yeah. But then also because we evolve as humans, so it's like, obviously it, your views can change and, oh, maybe I should do this now or maybe exactly what you said. Maybe I can go into politics now. So. Well, one of, one of the things I'm really thinking of, and I don't, I don't even know if it's possible. Uh, so when I was running Shadowhunters, mm-hmm. I was in charge of uh, these two, two, Magnus and Alec, and their sort of love journey. And it was a coming out story, and it was, a, you know, just a, a really intimate right. story. But it was the first time it was really done on that level, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, in a fantasy series. Right. And I got letters from kids in Iowa and South Dakota and their parents thanking me, mm-hmm. um, saying, you know, I was getting distanced from my child. Right. But watching the show together helped my son daughter come out to me right and we are now talking about it yeah and so that's what writing tv can help facilitate conversations with families yeah where people can see themselves and say hey do you you know like the the letters are really touching so i feel like movies and tv in that sense can really help people and move people Mm -hmm. when the if when the process is like you know it's if I decide to hang it up, I'm, not, I'm certainly not there yet. But if right. I ever do, I'm, I'm I'm exploring how I can make an impact otherwise. And there's this whole belief of like, because I really am thinking of running for office, but I mm-hmm. just don't know how. And so I'm sort of exploring: um, is it presumptuous of just some guy who hasn't spent his life in politics to think I could run for office? You know what I mean? Yeah. But I want to. I'm tired of being upset about things and yelling at my TV set without actually doing it. And being able to change. I want to put my money where my mouth is and Mm -hmm. sort of either get involved in volunteer stuff, which I'm doing now, um, or or actually run for something instead of just yelling at people who actually have the courage to do it. So, yeah, I don't even know if I should have put that out there. Sorry, whatever. (laughs) Why not? I mean, I always believe we can do anything. Uh, it's just our beliefs that stop us from doing certain things sure. and it's also like I'd rather try something and fail and then yeah. be like okay at least absolutely. I fucking tried you know absolutely um, but it's funny because I think what you just mentioned I noticed when I came to the states mentality wise I was um, I don't know I felt more connected with Americans in a way mm-hmm. because in Germany it seems like it's exactly what you just described a lot of people like to complain mm-hmm. And they don't want to change anything. They enjoy complaining. Like that's mm. what it seems like. Maybe I'm I'm wrong, but that's what it seemed like every time when I, especially when I've been here for so many months, mm-hmm. and then go back. That's the first thing. Like people are very angry. <laughs> really? Of, yeah, yeah. A lot of not all of them, but yeah. a lot of the time. 
And like when I go to a grocery store that I've been going there for like 10 years, mm -hmm. they act like they don't know me. If I go to a grocery store over here for two weeks, they're like, hey, Daniel, what's going on? Like, <laughs> yeah. how's your project going and shit like that, you yeah. know? And I don't care if it's faked or not, but it's part of the... It's, it's a sense kind of, of part community. Of yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and um, and that's when like a lot of Germans are like, oh, aren't Americans shallow? I'm like, there are definitely people that are like that. But luckily, I, I don't know, I met the right people and yeah. usually those people surround themselves with good people. That's funny, I, I was born and raised here in LA, so mm -hmm. it's a little bit different for me, because right. I find LA to be a very deep, deep, deep place. All of my family is yeah. here, you know, many, many generations of us. Yeah. Um, but my best, you know, some of my best friends I've known since I was two, mm -hmm. you know, people coming to my wedding, right. I've known for decades and decades mm -hmm. and decades. Uh, my high school friends and I still play poker together. You yeah. Know? Like, when you have that sense of community. For sure. Um, I think LA can be a very deep, wonderful place. That's how I grown to love it. You know, like I came here and for the first time I was like, oh shit, I think this is where I belong, even mm -hmm. though it's a new place. Yeah. But, but still, I mean, I, I, I have the same thing. Like I have friends that I've known since I'm four or five <laughs> years old and I talk to them almost daily, yeah. you know? That's important. Uh, and it's yeah, important. And it is. And I, I'm excited for them to finally come over here. <laughs> what, is it, what is the phrase? The people who knew you before you were you? Mm-hmm. Something exactly. like that? Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's, yeah. I, I love this place and <laughs> I think all these opportunities, you know. Well, you're doing great stuff, so it's very cool. Well, hopefully there will be more great stuff soon. There will be, I have no doubt. I, I want to no make doubt. this uh, this movie for sure. Um, yes, tell them to make this movie. I will, I will. It's I'll a good tell. movie. It will be a good movie for it sure. Will. It will be a franchise. That's what I, I think I so. I think so, it could be fun. So, very cool. Well, thank you, Michael. Dude, this was fun. I appreciate it. I, 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 no. I, I hate to, to, to jump. I have a, a meeting. Oh. Um, life is via Zoom now, so it's nice to do this in person. So, but I've got a Zoom in 10 minutes that i got to yeah. prepare no, for. No, it's all good. Thank you for doing this. This Absolutely. is awesome. I hope we get to make this movie and work on other stuff together. I would and love that. You're great, man. This oh, is terrific. Yeah. Well, that was Michael Reese. Thank you so much. And <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. Right. Bye. Bye. Polluted Minds Podcast.